Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. And today, uh, once again, we're going to have a great show for you. But before we get started, I just want to give a shout-out to all of our vets out there, past, current, and future. We really appreciate each and every one of you and all of your families and friends that support you as well for all that you do for our country. For those of you that are new to the show, I just want to let you know who Alzheimer's Speaks is. And bottom line is we're an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia and about caregiving, we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease so that they can have purpose-filled lives. Together, we believe everyone can understand the true needs of this disease and we can get rid of those silly myths and stigmas that create such fear and isolation for so many. At our core, again, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. And I know that it's working because of all of your likes and clicks and shares. Um, Alzheimer's Speaks was named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Shearcare and Dr. Oz. And again, that would not have happened without each and every one of you. Just taking that second to go to the Alzheimer's Speaks radio page and like us and share us, or maybe it's the blog, uh, maybe you're at the YouTube channel, uh, the website, any of our platforms, and just sharing and giving that knowledge out to your friends, to your circles, to your power of influences, because so many people don't know where to go, and you can make a big difference in someone's life by just sharing information, putting it out there, so when somebody needs it, they know where to go. So today we're going to have um, a great show for you. I'm very excited about it, and I I also have my co-host uh, here with me uh, once again through the month of, of um, November here. We are thrilled to death to have Sherry Snelling with us. And Sherry is the CEO and founder of, Care, of the Caregiving Club. And she is also the author of a cast of caregivers, Celebrity Stories to Help You Prepare to Care. Um, she is a, a nationally recognized expert 
um, on America's 65 million family caregivers with a special emphasis on how to help caregivers live a balanced uh, self-care life while caring for a loved one. And Lord knows if any of you out there have been in that position, you know it's not, not an easy thing to do. Sherry is a contributing author to the Huffington Post, Forbes.com, USA Today, um, Weekend Magazine, PBS, um, and Next Avenue, The Examiner, MariaShriver.com, the Alzheimer's Association, more, and Empower Her, and, and several others as well. She's just a a wonderful, wonderful woman, and I just feel so privileged to uh, to have her uh, co-hosting with me. Uh, Sherry is also the former chairman of the National Alliance for Caregiving, um, the leading caregiving advocacy nonprofit organization based in Washington D.C. And I'm always surprised how many people don't know of it of its existence. So if you haven't checked them out, uh, check out the National Alliance for Care. Giving as well. Lots of great, great resources out there. So, Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lori. Thanks again for having me on your show. It's great to be here. Well, I am thrilled that you are with us. And one of the things that I, I didn't do, which I normally do, is to um, let our audience know that if they want to participate in our conversation, we'd love to hear from them. And so if you want to talk to us, you can always call in live at 714-364-4757. That's 714 714- Three six four four seven five seven, or you can always use the chat box as well. Um, the other thing I want to mention before we get started is uh, just some shout outs to some organizations that I, I personally am, am very fond of and um, would like to spread the word of what they do. Um, the Alzheimer's Disease International, known as ADI, is the Alzheimer's Association of all the Alzheimer's Associations. And so you can find, you know, the closest uh, Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world uh, by going to that site. They are loaded with great information. They do an annual report, um, wonderful, wonderful resources on that site. And you can find them at uh, www.alz dot co dot uk or just google the alzheimer's disease international and they will pop up uh, music first with choral health um, since i love music can't sing can't play an instrument but i love my music <laughs> and so um, they they have some wonderful programs that really can help uh, help calm people down um, even music to eat to sleep um, it's it's kind of amazing, um, but Music First is actually an app that they have that you can get on your phone, uh, which can help change uh, change outcomes or change behaviors. Um, if you go to the Coral Health site, you'll find uh, other information on some of their other programs as well. Alzheimer's uh, Studies, um, which is a uh, clinical trial for a tau program uh, that's out right now. You can get to them by just going to alzheimerstudies.com, or you can go to the Alzheimer's team on Facebook and find out more information about them as well. 
And then the Lewy Body Association and the Frontal Temporal Lobe and the Aphasia Association are all organizations that kind of overlap with dementia. And a lot of times people are looking for specifics regarding their disease. And I, I would recommend um, just Googling each of those, the Lewy Body Dementia, the Association for Frontal Temporal Degeneration is what they're called, and the um, the aphasia organization. Um, and then the um, Purple Angel Project, which was kicked off by Norms McNamara over in the UK, uh, which is the new global symbol for dementia, which is very exciting. I just found out the other day that I'm going to be one of the 50 ambassadors around the world for that program, and I'll be getting more information out um, about what all that entails here. Uh, there's going to be a big announcement on Saturday. Uh, regarding that, but they said we can go ahead and start talking about it ahead of time. And then um, if you're looking for just a couple of, of projects um, and ways to interact with people, Puzzle with me and Jiminy Wicket are both some some great, great programs that are, can be a lot of a lot of fun uh, in terms of engaging there. So, so Sherry, um, what what's been up with you this past week? Anything exciting that you want to share with our our audience at all? Or sure. Well, I wanted to mention a couple of things while you're giving so many wonderful resources to folks who are listening in. Um, I also wanted to mention that there's the Alzheimer's Prevention Initiative, and I'm going to post something on my Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com/backslash/caregivingclubs. But they are running a couple different clinical trials right now. And so, again, if you're interested in having um, either yourself or a loved one participate in those, you can check those out. And those are other um, avenues to helping us hopefully find a cure for uh, for Alzheimer's in our lifetime. Um, but, Lori, you know, <clears throat> before we started the broadcast, you and I were talking about what Veterans Day really means to us. And, you know, I think that most of Americans are so appreciative of the sacrifices that our military families have made for our freedoms and for our way of life. Um, But, you know, I would love to help uh, really encourage people to go beyond just maybe showing up for a Veterans Day parade or um, putting your flag out. Um, and, and really get into the volunteer spirit. There are so many wonderful ways to help our, our veterans and their families, and particularly their family caregivers. I just wrote an article. You can find it again on my website and link to it. It's on examiner.com, and it's, <clears throat> it lists several different organizations that are different ways that you can volunteer or donate. And, uh, and Lori, I thought maybe I'd go through a few of those for our listeners, just in case they are interested. Um, well, I think that'd be great. But, you know, yeah, there, you know, it's one of the things that I found really fascinating. You mentioned earlier the National Alliance for Caregiving, where I, I served as the chairman of the board for a couple of years, and I was also um, privileged to be involved in, in several of the, the research studies that they had done throughout the years when I worked uh, at United Healthcare, And one of the projects I worked on that was so special to my heart was the Caregivers of Veterans Study, uh, a really landmark uh, look at what are the particular challenges 
that our caregivers of veterans go through. And what really struck home to me, I think, the most, um, you know, we we know of the veterans that come back with physical disabilities and, you know, whether it's paralysis or losing a limb, but um, two two areas where we don't think a lot about, and there's been so much in the news, is the traumatic brain injury, or what a lot of people call TBI, and also the post-traumatic stress disorder, the PTSD. And when I was involved in the focus groups for this research and talking to these caregivers of these veterans who had, whether it was TBI or PTSD, it was so emotional for me. And one of the um, wives, the young wife of a man who came back, uh, told a very poignant story that I'd like to share. And she, she was telling me that it was so difficult for her because some of her neighbors, she lived obviously, um, you know, in in a military area on base, and when um, the the husbands or the loved ones came back, and it's not just husbands, we know that women serve as well today, but when they came back, you know, some again had paralysis, some had, um, you know, lost limbs or lost their sight or whatever it was in, in, you know, some of the challenges of war, but her husband came back with PTSD, and so on the outside, he looked physically perfect. He looked exactly how he looked when he left for his um, his tour of duty in Iraq. And when he came back, people didn't understand what she was dealing with. And, you know, they didn't see what was going on inside his mind and inside, you know, um, the, the cognitive function and, and the, the mental function um, and ravages of war. And I just felt that this was so poignant. She told me a story where they would go to Target with the kids, and somebody dropped a box of cereal onto um, the store floor, you know, just by accident, and her husband jumped about 10 feet. He started to shake. He had sweats, and they had to just abandon their shopping trip and go home. Um, another incident that she encountered is she woke up at night, you know, with an eerie feeling, and her husband was standing over her with a gun. And he wasn't pointing it at her, but she was so fearful that maybe he was contemplating suicide. Um, and, you know, she was able to talk him through it. But these are the wounds of war that are invisible. And I really want to encourage people to really, really think about what can you do to help a military family that you might know. It might be a veteran from World War II who's still alive. You know, President Obama just recently spoke about a gentleman who's 107 years old who fought in World War II. Um, it could be somebody from Vietnam or Desert Storm, but whoever it is, if you can reach out and and help these caregivers of these veterans, it would be wonderful. You know, there's 10 million Americans who are family caregivers of our veterans. And what's really interesting is that 7 million of them are actually veterans themselves. So they are both husband and wife teams who have served perhaps at different times. Um, so a couple things I wanted to do a shout-out to. Um, first of all, I have the privilege of speaking to a woman who is just so inspirational. Her name is uh, Rosie Babin, and she lives in Texas. And she is a mother of a uh, Purple Heart recipient, um, her son was injured, um, lay wounded on the battlefield, and went through multiple, multiple surgeries and came home and unfortunately um, suffers from traumatic brain injury, which requires 24-7 care from Rosie and her husband at home. They have completely retrofit their home to accommodate 
you know, his needs because he needs uh, he needs help with, you know, bathing and eating and other things. And he's making a remarkable strides in recovery, but he still needs a lot of help. And she started a nonprofit organization called Help Our Wounded. And, again, you can find this in my article. It's helpourwounded.org. But it is a, a telephonic, you know, number you can call. And these are caregivers of veterans who have navigated the VA system. They totally understand what your frustrations might be if you're a, a caregiver or a spouse of a, of a veteran. And they will help guide you. They really help, you know, with the details and give you great resources. And I really encourage people to check that out. Um, also want to do a shout-out to a couple others. I have several listed in my article. I'm not going to go over all of them. But another one that I just really love is the Wounded Warrior Project, and you may see some of their commercials or hear their radio spots. And I just, again, encourage you to listen and to pay attention. They do so many remarkable things to help um, not just the, the veterans, but the families and particularly the caregivers of our veterans. Um, they launched an online community where caregivers of veterans can gather and talk and share resources and support each other, um, and, and people even outside of the, the veterans community can join these, um, these communities if they're invited in, and it's called My Care Crew. And, you know, shortly here we're going to have one of our guests on, Brooks Kenny, from Lots of Helping Hands, and My Care Crew is actually um, fueled or powered, if you will, by the Lots of Helping Hands tool and she's going to tell us more about what those online communities are about and how you can get engaged. But Wounded Warrior Project does so many great things. They have a lot of caregiver retreats where caregivers can get away, get a break, uh, talk with other caregivers going through similar things. So, you know, again, Wounded Warrior Project is a wonderful, wonderful organization to donate to. They've been around now for, for more than 10 years. And then one other that I thought is really interesting for people is the Fisher House. And, you know, the Fisher House Foundation and the Fisher family in general has been so engaged in helping our, our veterans. And they're actually engaged in more than just that. They um, have worked closely with a lot of different organizations, but most recently they were honored by the um, Mental Health Association of New York City for the work that they've done with veterans and PTSD and supporting the family caregivers. And what the Fisher House is, if you don't know about this, it's a, it's a remarkable idea that really is modeled, if you will, after the Ronald McDonald House. Um, but it's where a, a veteran's family can go and stay for free in, in a beautiful, you know, room uh, with all the amenities um, and while their loved one is getting treatment at one of the VA medical centers around the country. So these Fisher House homes, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a nice hotel and you get to go stay, as I said, for free. And, um, you know, they, they so need funding and support to keep these homes open and going. But they are just, they are absolute sanctuaries for our military families um, because it's so difficult when your loved one is going through uh, multiple surgeries or therapy or whatever at the VA uh, medical centers, you know, it's it's, expensive to travel and to be able to stay in a hotel on your own and pay for parking and, you know, pay for meals out with your family all the time. So this really takes that financial burden off those families. And, again, encourage you to check them out. They've helped over 17,000 um, families every year. 
and um, and and made available four million days of lodging to the caregivers, of veterans, and their families since 1990. So the Fisher House, wonderful, great group. Uh, you can donate your time to actually work at one of the Fisher Houses, or you can donate money to help them out. So sorry, I'm, I'm talking a lot here, Lori, but I just feel so passionate about this, and I thought these might be of interest to um, to our audience because, again, PTSD is, is another one of those disorders that is misunderstood, has a lot of stigma, and I think even if you don't have a loved one with PTSD or know of someone, you can probably be empathetic if you have a loved one with dementia because, you know, a lot of the challenges and issues you face are, are somewhat similar as a caregiver. So thank you for letting me talk about this. No, no. I, I think there's a lot of connections. Plus, there's a lot of uh, people, you know, that are vets that have dementia as well. And and this can just even complicate the disease if they have any of these others, you know, added to it. So, you know, it's so important to know a person's history, um, no matter who they are. But, you know, when illness comes into play, um, it, it's critical. You know, with dementia, I mean, it, it's really, really important to know somebody's history and likes and dislikes and, you know, what scares them. And so, you know, if you're caring for a vet, um, it can it can help you um, lead them down the right path um, to kind of take some of that scary out. But it's also a great opportunity to reminisce and um, to talk about things that maybe they were really proud of and, um, you know, old friends. Um, everybody likes to chat about that kind of stuff, you know, pull out some pictures and stuff. So I think there's connections on multiple, multiple levels. And and I do think that it's very important to um, highlight, like you have, you know, that this is, uh, you know, a lot of our vets are are dealing with hidden wounds and and the overlap with dementia and the stigmas um in the myths are are so aligned and um and that just needs to change you know we need to become more compassionate and understanding and um much more resourceful in terms of of helping people out that's that's for sure that is absolutely for sure Absolutely. And again, I you know, I know Brooks is going to join us in a minute, but you know, it could be something as simple as making a meal or offering to watch, you know, the kids for an afternoon while a military couple, a veteran and and you know, his wife or her husband get a chance to get together and and spend some time together. So it's it's very simple things. It's kind of going back to that old-fashioned notion of you know, being there for your neighbors and creating this community where we all really care about each other. And I think, um, you know, we see that so often in the dementia world where people do get together and really support each other in wonderful ways. And that might be one of the silver linings of some of these diagnoses is that we, it does bind you together with other people who are going through something similar or you find compassion in places you may not have you know, knew that you would. Good, good point. Good point. Actually, I see that Brooks is on the line, and if you wouldn't mind doing the introduction for her, since you you know her um, much more so than I do, this will be my first time to uh, to have the opportunity to talk to Brooks. But why don't we go ahead and pull her in? 
That would be great because I know she's got a lot to share. And, and um, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of what she and her colleagues have started at Lots of Helping Hands. But telling you a little bit about Brooks, I've known Brooks for several years now, and, you know, she is one of those um, bright, shining stars in the caregiving world. She is just so passionate about what she does. And I won't even call what she does a job because she believes in it so much. She lives it. She breathes it um, every day. And I think that's what sets a lot of us apart as advocates of different things. And she's also been very engaged in um, in the world of Alzheimer's and dementia. And as I mentioned earlier, the military uh, families and veterans. But Brooks is the executive vice president and chief marketing officer of Lots of Helping Hands. And um, she's long time been a leader in cause marketing, bringing together nonprofit organizations and public and private uh, partnerships and collaborations to really get good deeds done. And, and Lots of Helping Hands is kind of the, the manifestation of all of that work that she's done over the years. Um, she has helped build over 50 nonprofit partners for Lots of Helping Hands, and she can talk to you about some of those. But um, this tool, this online community that is known as Lots of Helping Hands, is so powerful because it it really answers the question for caregivers, you know, what can I do to help? And, you know, we talk about that so often. When you become a caregiver, um, you might mention to your circle of family and friends or maybe even coworkers what's going on in your life. And the first question they have is, well, what can I do to help you? Well, you're, you're embroiled in the midst and challenges of caregiving. You don't necessarily have your list all together. Um, you know, your thoughts are all over the place. And Lots of Helping Hands is the kind of tool and resource you can use. It really helps you gather those resources around you, really wraps you in this warm blanket of comfort and care, and I'm not going to go on because Brooks can talk about it so much more eloquently than me, but I just want to introduce Brooks and thank her so much for joining our show today to tell us a little bit more about some of the communities and the members and what Lots of Helping Hands is all about. So, Brooks, thanks so much for being on our show. Oh, thank you so much, Sherry. I'm blushing over here. I'm I'm just thrilled to contribute and, and to be part of the dialogue. And, Lori, it's great to meet you um, in this way. And I just want to acknowledge this effort that you all are putting forward for November. It certainly has been so inspiring to hear all the different talks and um, really appreciate what you're doing um, for those who are affected by Alzheimer's. And I'm glad to be part of the discussion today. Well, we're Wait, thrilled well, to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, let's. Let's kick off. You know, give us the give us the top line. Tell us what Lots of Helping Hands is really all about. Sure. Well, essentially, we were created in order to help the caregiver. Um, simply put, you know, we know that when there is any type of medical crisis, when someone's caring for an aging parent, when someone's world gets turned upside down um, by caregiving responsibilities. Oftentimes, the caregiver is left feeling really overwhelmed and um, very uh, confused about all the different resources and um, ways that they may navigate in their journey. And so we, um, Let's Helping Hands is created as a service and a solution to support the caregivers. And what it essentially entails are private community websites 
that can be created by the caregiver, by his or her uh, family member, friend, coworker, neighbor, someone who's uh, knocked on their door, and so to speak, and said, um, I see that you are caring for mom or dad, and, and it looks like you could use some extra help. Anyone can create this private community website, and then it becomes a gathering place for a person's circles of community, their network of friends and family, to get organized. And it's a place where they can uh, provide support to the family through a calendar. Uh, People can sign up to bring a meal, to offer a ride, to come visit um, with the, the family so that the caregiver can get some respite, a whole range of things. And I can tell you many stories and, and examples. It's also a place where people can post photos, um, well wishes to the family, prayers to the family, uh, share medical status updates with the network of the community. And then they also can store important information, health, financial, legal information, all in this private community. And so these communities really become a place online that can be accessed from your computer or your handheld device, iPhones, et cetera, um, in order to stay up to date on what the family needs and in order to lend you know, the all-important helping hand. Well, I just think that, you know, what you're doing is is absolutely fantastic. But, you know, one of the things that that I have found, and I don't know how how you guys can, you know, have helped people do this, but if you could talk to this point, is, you know, it seems like we have a really hard time asking for help. And and how sure. do you get people to tap into all the people that really do want to help, but we just feel like we have to do it ourselves, you know, or or we don't want anyone to know, you know, we're just real private, uh, you know, and and I just I see that as a, a really a missed opportunity for so many. Do you see that as as uh, something that you have to kind of work on with people, or? Are people all really right there and and ready to jump in when they get to your site? Yeah, it's such an intuitive question and and one I appreciate greatly. It's all over the map, (laughs) to be honest. And what we realize is and what we think makes us unique is that, you know, you can't just build a technology and put it online and expect everybody to use it, right? There you need to mm-hmm. you need to work in collaboration. I know that's a big focus of the work that you all do together. Um, so we collaborate with nonprofit partners as an example and and bloggers like Sherry, you know, across uh, uh, different disease categories actually, you know, to help us message, you know, provide messages that are going to motivate people to uh, get engaged in community in this way. We provide educational webinars to our audiences to help them learn not only how to ask for help if you're the caregiver, but how do you offer help? And that's actually where we've spent a lot of time um, in our work, Lori, in our outreach efforts, because we know we can't just put lotsofhelpinghands.com up there and expect everybody to, to, to use it. But we actually have been creating tip sheets, not for the patient um, or family recipient, not for the caregiver, but for that friend who might be at work and sees her coworker, you know, looking more tired, you know, during the day or, or, or noticing that, you know, she's not taking a lunch break because she's on the phone trying to make uh, arrangements for different types of care. How do you recognize somebody that's in a caregiving role? And then what are the types of things you say to them? And so if we can educate not only the caregiver to say it's okay to ask for help and here's how, um, but also those around the caregiver, because we're all going to be one, right? If, if we aren't already, yeah. we're going to be 
We're going to be one. We're going to need one. We're going to benefit from one. So, you know, imagine a day, and this is what, you know, we do. We certainly imagine this day in our, in our lifetime where we all recognize caregiving um, in a much more um, candid way, and we can offer help in a way that's supportive. So I always tell people as an example, you know, if you say, what, what can I do to help, what can I do to help to a caregiver, which is our typical first response, the caregiver is so overwhelmed, they're not going to know how to answer you, nor do they have any idea how to organize all of those offers of help, because chances are they've received more than one offer. So now they're feeling, you know, that pressure. I, oh, Mary offered to bring a meal, and Lisa offered to drive my, you know, my son, you know, to soccer, and I want to, you know, how am I going to manage all of this? So it's very overwhelming. So we often recommend to folks to say, um, not, I'm going to, you know, what can I do to help you, but I'd like to bring dinner on Tuesday, and I'm going to leave it on your front step between 5 and 6 in a disposable container. Would that work for you? So you get really, really specific with folks. And the Caregiver Action Network, um, among many others, has, has wonderful resources in terms of how to talk to caregivers. But we feel like we all need to um, educate one another about not only how to ask for help but how to offer it. And so we spend a lot of our time in, in our own outreach with partners um, and in our own education of our membership to try to create that sense of comfort that it's okay to offer and it's okay to ask. Which, which and, I like. Oh, go ahead, Sherry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Lori. I, I had a follow-up question. So. Oh, I, I was just going to say I, I, I really liked the example you gave of being really, really specific because I know when I get overwhelmed and when you're in a caregiving role, many times you're overwhelmed. It's just like I, I don't want to have to make a decision. So you've just cut to the chase. You've told me exactly what's what. Um, the only thing I was thinking that might even help me even more is if they wrote it down for me. <laughs> so right. If, if I needed to transfer it someplace else. But, again, if you utilize a place, you know, like yours, like lots of helping hands, it, it's all there. Um, well, right. And what we typically do is, is um, here at Lots of Helping Hands, we have a, a very dedicated member support team. So the moment you create a community, um, you know, we send you a welcome email and we give you some tips on how to get started. And then we have phone and email support. And one of the first things we do is say, you know, if you're the caregiver or if you've created the site for a family, you know, one of the first things you'll want to do is sit down, um, you know, in person or by phone and talk about the things that you need so that we can populate the calendar. And it may start off by just saying, you know, it would really be great if we could have meals on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday between five and six, no food allergies, four adults, you know, three adults, two kids, whatever, whatever the particulars are, and start there. And then once that happens, inevitably what we start to see is the family says, wow, you know, it would be great if someone could come and, and, and sit with mom on Saturday mornings so I could go to an exercise class or so I could go get my hair done or take a walk or a shower, <laughs> whatever, whatever that caregiver needs. Um, they, they don't have to put that into the community, by the way. They can just have it listed <laughs> as, you know, visit with mom for an hour and a half. And um, so there's many different ways to do that, but, and, we, and we, we do hold your hand. Um, you know, people know intuitively, I think, once they get started, um, once they've broken through and, and actually created that community. But we're here to help them, and, and we often provide, um, you know, those examples to them as well. 
We had one community, I just have to say it because it popped in my mind, and I think it would be interesting to your listeners. We had a community in Chicago, or have a community, excuse me, in Chicago that I, I'm allowed to share some of the details because they've they've been in the media, but it was actually um, a reverend and in the community, and she has more than 200 people who participate in supporting her. And one of the main things they do is they come weekly and read to her because she no longer can read aloud. Uh, they read aloud to her because she can no longer read. And so that's just one of those things where, you know, we think meals, rides, you know, help with child care, house cleaning. But this was something that was really important um, to her. She wanted to be read to. She wanted to connect with her community that way. And so we always find ourselves inspired and, and kind of in awe in the ways that people get comfort from their communities. Well, and Brooks, you bring up, that's an interesting um, and, and lovely story because what I, as I was hearing you speak, you know, one of the things I think about is that, again, people have, um, they're, they're so well-meaning when they hear you're a caregiver, but after that initial news, it kind of drops off, and you may or may not think about it on a daily basis if you're, you know, not in the midst of caregiving, you're more of a friend or, you know, on the, the uh, outside circle. And so your communities give people a tangible place to kind of constantly get updates and, and also be able to go back to to help out. So can you talk to how your communities have really sustained caregivers? Because, again, we all know when caregiving happens, everybody steps up that first day or two or that first week. But, you know, if, you're, if your loved one has dementia or even if they're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, it could, you know, your caregiving journey is long. You need help ongoing. So how does, how does lots of help with that? That's a great question, Sherry, and, and it's true. We have communities that have been around for more than three years. Um, we have some that are created for more short-term needs, but we certainly have been, we think, you know, privileged to be part of a, of a family's experience for, for a long time. And there are a couple things that make it unique. Number one, the the way in which a coordinator of a community, so the community can have both members and coordinators, and coordinators, as you might expect, have additional administrative privileges inside the community. So they're the ones posting the updates and, and the calendar needs for the family, et cetera, and you can have multiple coordinators. So anytime a coordinator um, wants to update the community website, they can do so and immediately send an email out to all of the members. So people stay engaged um, over a period of time because they they see what's happening with the family. They, they get the update. They can click on the link and post a well wish. They can uh, learn if there are new calendar needs that, are, that um, have been provided on the community website so that they can stay involved that way. And what's nice is that you can help, you know, one week and then maybe you're out of town on business for a couple of weeks and you come back and you see, wow, look at the, all the calendar needs that are coming up, you know, I can sign up. So it's not that um, if you're out of touch or, or out, not able to help for a while, you can still kind of link back in. We also encourage, and this happens often with communities um, in, when families are coping with dementia or Alzheimer's, is that sometimes the the actual needs are not as apparent early on. So we've talked recently actually to a caregiver um, for her, a woman who's caring for her husband, and 
she said, you know, I didn't realize that I could create a community now, even though I don't really need a lot of help yet. And so we encouraged her to create a community, get all of her friends' emails correct, get them inside the community, send them a note that, you know, with a click of the button, everybody knows what's going on. So she was able to tell the story about her husband's diagnosis and what she was expecting in the months ahead and how she was going to use the site. And then as his disease progresses, she's identified a coordinator, a friend, who's going to add things to the calendar. So right now, to your point, Sherry, she's just using it to kind of get her 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 army of volunteers ready. So when he does require more help or when she needs more um, support from her friends and family, they're already there. They're logged in. Everybody's got their password. They've been posting updates, and then they can they can start helping. And um, it's not always easy to talk about, but we, we certainly do here. Oftentimes, if someone um, is in a long journey with um, with Alzheimer's or cancer or, or, or any type of life challenge and, and they pass away, you'd be amazed to see how often those community members come together through LATSA because they're already engaged. They're already in this private, safe, sacred space. So now there needs to be arrangements made or additional help with, um, with child care or with financial paperwork or all of those things that, that happen when someone um, passes away. And so communities are already there, and they're helping, and they're supporting. So it's pretty remarkable if you, if you start early and engage people in this way that you kind of have them wrapped around you throughout your journey um, and for as long as that journey may, may be. Well, and that makes so much sense, too, because I, I can't say how many times, I mean, that's happened to me where I go, well, I didn't know. Right. You know, because people think it has to be this crisis thing before they tell anybody, but people would really like to know so that they could plan or they could be sending their prayers and thoughts or, you know, doing whatever they could, even if they didn't wish uh, for physical help right now, um, just to to let your community know so that they can spiritually even be behind you and things. Um, and and uh, it allows them to mentally prepare too, for the future, which I think Absolutely. sometimes we forget about. I think that's so true. And, and I mean, think about the creative things that you, you can add. I mean, we've seen so many ways that people have used the site. As I shared already, the reading, we've had um, people use the site to um, to research, you know, treatment. Um, you know, we've where you put a volunteer in there, you know, someone that might be traveling from a distance, you know, can you read can you read about these clinical trials and tell me what you think because I'm overwhelmed? Or, um, you know, I'm having a hard time making sense of this insurance. Or, you know, we're, we're, we have to get the kids ready for summer camp this summer. I've even seen this um, in a testimonial where a, a community was created and um, one of the, the members in the family actually put that need on the calendar to, to help with research for some for some um, needs of, of her children because uh, she was so busy taking care of mom, which is brilliant, right, because we mm -hmm. all can, can share what we've learned and, and help each other, and, and it just took that extra load off. And we all know, I, I'm sure your listeners um, and I know uh, Lori and Sherry have experienced, you know, how good it feels to help someone 
you know, whether you're whether you're bringing a meal every day or if, if that is a, a you know if you're able to do that in your schedule or even if you um, you know have a visit once a month, it feels really good inside to to do that and to to support the people that we that we love and care about. So there's there's a lot of creative things that can be done to support people. Well, and one of the things you touched upon, Brooks, that I really love, and, and you know, so often I have a love-hate relationship with technology these days because it, it certainly can help facilitate, and then it can also help frustrate. But in this instance, um, I love the fact that, and I have a personal story because you know this, I had a friend whose husband was diagnosed with um, a very rare form of cancer, and she had two little kids, plus she was working, and she went on to lots of helping hands. Actually, her sister did and created a community to get some support for her while she was going through the chemotherapy and everything with her husband. But what I loved about her story, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, is um, she and her husband were from Michigan. They moved out to California just a few years before, but they still had a lot of ties and family and friends in Michigan. And, and you know, in the olden days, um, the Michigan folks wouldn't have really been able to help as much because they're not local, they're not there. But with the technology and with something like Lots of Helping Hands, they were invited into her community, and they stepped up to do just what you said. They did research on clinical trials. They sent gift certificates for meal deliveries. They researched um, summer camp for her kids so that she could actually go with John. He had to travel um, cross-country for some treatment, um, her husband. So can you talk to that? Because it really, I think, helps bring our um, far-flung loved ones and friends together that may not have happened normally. No, absolutely. And and what's hard is when you relocate, you know, maybe maybe you're lucky enough to find yourself in a neighborhood where people come knocking with casseroles and you meet them right away. And um, I actually am fortunate to be in a neighborhood like that, but I know that it's not um, always the case. And so if people move and relocate too, it's it's really hard sometimes. And, and that's why, you know, a simple um, and technology that can even bring together new friends when people relocate is really valuable. But distance caregiving has been a you know a big topic as we all know in in this area and oftentimes when there are siblings too involved especially when caring for mom and dad it can be really challenging when people are all over the country um, trying to get involved you know sometimes um, you know jockeying for different roles and responsibilities and there can be some rivalry and some some challenges there you know as every family has challenges and so using a service like lots of helping hands where Everyone can have their own login. Everyone can see what's going on. You can have actually a relative from, you know, who lives away from the family um, could actually be a coordinator in the community, and they could be the ones talking to the primary caregiver, maybe a sister, saying, um, let me do this for you. Let me be the one to organize the community. Um, let me be the one to post the needs that you have so that, you know, I can take off some of the burden because sometimes – or oftentimes, you know, the the challenges between siblings, you know, um, is really is really emotional and and charged. And so, this actually gives those distance caregivers something that they can do and be a part of it. And then all of those friends and family who might be at a distance as well. To your point, Sherry, we have 
hundreds of thousands of people that send gift cards or they sign up to do research or they are, you know, vigilant about posting well wishes every day to the family so that they can stay connected. And it's a very, I should mention if I, I think I did at the beginning, these communities are all private. So you cannot go to lots of helping hands right now and find some of these private communities that um, that we're speaking of today. Um, we have one type of community that, that can be created um, in a local town or neighborhood that can be searched on um, via a zip code search. But by and large, all of the communities that are created are private communities. And so it, it really is a safe place to post those well wishes and prayers and updates that you would only want your closest family and friends to know. Um, the other piece that I, I might mention especially as it relates to the different roles that people take in the community, you can also have groups in your community. So let's pretend we have a community for, um, maybe I have a community for um, myself to because I'm caring for my mom, and there are 50 people in that community, but I only want my immediate family to have access to my mom's medical information, financial, legal health, so I can turn those sections off for all the other people in the community. But let's say there's 10 folks of those 50 who are at a distance, and I can actually create a group specifically for them. Maybe it's a um, gift certificate group, or a local group could be the rides group. And so individuals can actually take on specific tasks in the community based on the group affiliation that they have. And it's a really nice way to manage your volunteers. You know, sometimes communities might have people in it that, you know, a family might not be comfortable having 100 different people potentially drive mom or dad to a medical appointment. But maybe your your closer circle could be listed as the in the transportation group. So that's just one example of, of kind of the ways that uh, we've tried to respond to the members. We, you know, we have more than 1.5 million people who've participated in our communities, and they're a very vocal and passionate and wonderful group. And so we try to tailor our product, um, if you will, you know, to to the needs that we're hearing. And that's that's definitely one that we heard over and over again that they wanted to be able to organize people into groups that made sense for them. Well, I think, um, you know, I just think what you have as a service is is just unbelievable and can be utilized by so many in, in so many different circumstances um, altogether. Is there a cost at all for this? Or? No, the service is free. Um, there will never be a cost um, to use lots of helping hands. Um, our business model is one where we actually license our service to organizations that want a special version. So we have organizations that want to use our technology, but they want it to have their logo and colors and resources and information. So we have fees for organizations that want to license our service that way. And then we also partner with very select organizations that provide services or resources or products to um, caregivers in particular, 
And so we partner with them to do things like joint webinars or we feature their resources in our newsletter um, or in um, our resource section in the community. So uh, very selective on, on that piece of it. But our primary business model is the license model. Um, but anyone can go to lotsahelpinghands.com. And you're not hearing things, uh, folks, out there. It is LOTSA, L-O-T-S-A, uh, com, and you can create a free community. Okay. Well, and in fact, Brooks, Brooks you, uh, can you speak a little bit? I know that one of the, the nonprofit organizations that you've worked with is the Alzheimer's Association, correct? Isn't it their care team calendar that uses your tool? Absolutely, yes. We we have a long history of partnership with the Alzheimer's Association, and they actually call our service the Alzheimer's Care Team Calendar, and they have thousands of communities that have been created across the country to support caregivers uh, caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's. And so in their version of the service, which you can access from their website, ALZ.org, or you can access it from lots of helping hands as well. We, we promote our nonprofit partners on our website. So in either place, you can find them. And in those communities, in addition to all the features that the technology provides, we also have um, resources that the Alzheimer's Association has provided. So um, things that someone would want to know about Alzheimer's um, are already embedded in the community, which is a wonderful thing because if you are volunteering to help somebody with um, their in their community, and but maybe you're not as familiar with Alzheimer's, and maybe you're maybe you're bringing a meal and you're a little unsure and you, you kind of want more information, right there in the community you can read more about the experience and, 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 and about, um, you know, what the family is going through. So that can kind of, you know, bring up your comfort level a little bit as well. So we're delighted to partner with the Alzheimer's Association and we collaborate with a lot of different nonprofits in different areas as well. Yeah, the the one thing that that I will honestly say is I I found that on their site once, but it it's so buried and it would be nice if it if it stuck out more on their site to be able to find. And when I just googled, you know, the care team calendar, then I found it, but I would never remember that that was the name of it. And um, you know, I wish because I've I've tried to um, push people to it before because um, I, I had heard that they had it, but it's it's not an easy thing to find on their site. So, um, but but people can just go to your site as well. And they can. can in the community creation process, you actually can choose to um, have your community associated with one of the nonprofit. Uh, premier partners that we have, and I'll certainly share, share that feedback, too, with them. Um, and, you know, they certainly have a lot of resources to be promoting, and, and we're delighted that um, that ours is among them, but um, I'll certainly share that feedback. Yeah, I just I think it's just a, an absolutely incredible thing, and I've, I've heard so many people say the same thing, that it would be nice if it was out in front. And, again, I know that they have so many different sectors of their of their website but it it always seems to be changing places of where things are placed too and that that is confusing um so on your site if somebody wanted to go in and develop a a community how do they how do they find out what's available like if they wanted to tap into one of your your partner sites 
um, or if they wanted to just get started fresh. Can you kind of explain to us how that would work? Sure, absolutely. You essentially you go to lotsahelpinghands.com, all one word, and on the website there you can see on the top purple navigation bar uh, it says Get Started. And you can click on that. And then you're going to fill out a, a pretty basic form. It, the first section of the form is about your community. And so you can name your community. There's no, you can name it whatever you want. Mary's Helping Hands, as an example. We do require your zip code. And then we incorporate, um, you know, your, your, the country's already, it's defaulted, but you know, you choose your country. Um, and then about you, the community leader. And the community leader is basically just that first person who creates the community. So you enter your first and last name, your email and password two times. And then you review our terms of, of use, and you can click Create My Community. Now, in that process on the form, there is a place where you can, it says, helpful resources for your community. And that's where you can choose to have your community in, include nonprofit resources. So in addition to the Alzheimer's Association, for example, there's the American Lung Association, the American Parkinson's Disease Association, Kidney Cancer Association, Muscular Dystrophy, and on and on. So you can choose one that might be relevant. You don't have to. It's not a requirement, but it's an option for you. Once there, you click on Create My Community. And similar to a lot of websites now um, that are out there, subscription sites, you will go back to your inbox and you will receive an email. And in that email, there's a link and you click on that link to activate your community, and then you can log in and um, and get started. And again, there's a welcome page and a welcome email. We usually recommend to folks that they actually take the first step of adding some some activities to the calendar um, that where people might require helping. So those meals or rides or um, you know help with house cleaning, those types of things. We we often recommend that they start there, um, and then they add. They go to the people tab, and it's very intuitive, you know, and you add first name, last name, email of the people you want to invite into the community. All of the communication is done via templates. So when you go ahead and add people to the community, Lori, it's really simple. It, we provide all the language. You can have a brief intro. So I could say we've created this community to help Mary, you know, while, as she cares for her mom. You know, please log in create a password, and, or excuse me, please create a password, log in, and see the, the activities that, are, um, that Mary and her family could really use help with. And, and that's it. And then all the other information is embedded. So you all don't have to add links or any of that. It's already done for you. So then everybody gets this email that says, oh, Mary's Helping Hands has been created. And then they create their password, they log in, and they can easily sign up for those activities that require helping. And then our system sends a reminder email to the volunteer who signed up as well as to the coordinator who set up the activity. So if I'm Mary, managing Mary's Helping Hands and I want to keep track of making sure we have enough meals for the family, every time someone signs up to bring a meal, I get a notice in my inbox too. So if I can look at the calendar and say, wow, you know, Friday is coming up and we don't have anybody Bringing, um, bringing Mary and her family a meal. So I also can go into the community and pop an email out to say, hey, everyone, thanks for participating in Mary's Helping Hands. We still need a meal for Friday. I know they would really appreciate it. 
even a delivery of, you know, some yummy pizza would be great if that's all you can fit in your schedule. Pop that out to everybody and someone signs up. What's great, and we've all experienced this, when someone sends out an email and then, you know, everyone replies all and everyone offers to help, and then it's now a big mess in terms of organization. So once somebody has clicked on the link and says, I'm signing up, nobody else can click on that link. So it it just you know, it already says the spot is full. So it's just a really efficient way to manage those requests. And I, I'm not um, exaggerating when I can tell you that we have had communities that get created very quickly sometimes, and 100 people could be part of it. And, you know, within within a few days, there could be volunteer activities signed up for many, many months. And so um, we know that the the system works to handle a lot of volunteers and a lot of tasks and activities um, that that might be needed. Now, I I have a question for you. When sure. when if somebody goes to your site to um, create a site, and you go to that helpful resources for communities where the different associations who have taken on the lots of of caring hands um, um, calendar. Now, if I clicked on the Alzheimer's Association, would I then be in their um, community, or am I just adding those resources to the community that I am developing? So it it actually is a community that is powered by us, but it, it would say Alzheimer's Care Team Calendar along the top, and it would have their resources in your community as well. Okay. I was just wondering to log in if I have to go to the Alzheimer's Association from that forward or if I can come in through you or... Oh, I misunderstood. Yeah, you can log in um, from LotsHelpingHands.com. And then, and actually, so I, if I go into, I'm a member of a bunch of different communities. Um, and so when you log in, you can always go to LotsOfHelpingHands.com to log in. And if you're a member of a community from the Alzheimer's Association, you can choose that community. If you're a member of a community um, that's more generic, lots of helping hands, you can actually switch between the communities. But, yes, everybody – and you use the same email address and the same password regardless. Um, okay. And so that makes it really easy. So um, I'm sorry, I misunderstood your question. But, yeah, you can just go to lotshelpinghands.com to log in. You don't have to go to the Alzheimer's Association to okay. log in. And then if somebody wanted to add the helpful resources to their community, do they are they just able to pick one of those or can they pick more than one? Because I'm thinking, you know, some people, you know, the Caregiver Action Network might be helpful as well as the Alzheimer's Association or the Parkinson's just because people, you know, are dealing with multiple situations sometimes or is it just one or the other that they can choose? Well, you you must have been in one of our recent product meetings <laughs> because right now um, it's a great idea, and we know it's we know it's the reality, um, right? So right now, unfortunately, you can only choose one that are, that would be part of that community. But on our website, under the on our public website, outside of the community, on our resources page, we actually list. Um, we have a resource directory where we list all of our partners and their resources, and then we also have those nonprofit premier partners, we have a separate partner area for them. So we try to, you know, bring you those resources even if they aren't sitting inside of your community. But that's certainly something that we'll look at for the future. Oh, okay, great, great. Well, it sounds like you've covered it all. So it's it's a great, great um, site. I had talked with Hal a while back um, regarding this because I, I was just really impressed with this, and I didn't realize that, your site, um, you know, that 
that you worked with other companies um, to individually brand it, but I think it's a great, great concept and so helpful. I'd love to see more people tap into this this resource. The other thing I wanted to mention is um, one of the things when someone is signing up, there's different categories, and so um, can you kind of go over the categories? Because I mean, it was it was vets, uh, it was kids, it was elder care. Sure. Um, but, but really a wide variety. Um, this doesn't have to just be, uh, you know, our, our normal crisis situation either <laughs> that we that we typically think of. Right. Well, so so we were, you know, um, I don't think I shared the story of of how we were um, the impetus for creating lots of helping hands. Um, but it actually, um, I'm happy to share that story after I answer the, the first question. But so so we started certainly supporting folks via caregiving. So, you know, it was mostly folks who were supporting a family that had caregiving needs and as well as volunteering. But we started to see that for some of our communities that were getting created for older adults um, or in long-term care situations that their needs might be a little bit different. What they wanted to see in their communities might be a little bit different. So we added that to the drop-down menu if, you, if you're looking at the form where you can identify what the purpose of your community is. And then from there, we started getting emails of, from people saying, I was in this community at LATSA to help my friend with breast cancer, but I would really love it to organize my kids' um, you know, volunteer efforts in my in school or I have a friend who whose loved one is is being deployed can I use this can I use lots of this way or my church needs to organize its volunteers across the county can we use this the service and so we started getting all of these requests and we said yes to all of them now we don't have separate versions um, yet you know very tailored versions for for each of the uses but we wanted a simple way for people to know that, sure, you can use this for things beyond caregiving. And it's been really remarkable to see. We have so many communities that get created when parents have um, a child, whether it's um, a healthy um, birth or adoption or, you know, it's it's someone on bed rest or um, someone, you know, a child who, who has a challenge when, when born. We, we see it across across the gamut. We have many, many thousands of churches who are already, and religious organizations, excuse me, um, who are already doing great things in the community, providing support to um, their fellow uh, parishioners. And so they're using LATSA now and putting it in the, the bulletins and saying, go, go to our website and, and see what you want to do to volunteer. And then military and veteran families, we really wanted to speak to them as well. I, I heard you all talking a bit about it before, you know, we know that there are millions of caregivers of um, military personnel and veterans who are struggling and who have a long road, especially with the most recent conflicts. And we wanted them to know that this is something that they can use um, to organize help for themselves. And so there are many different ways to use lots of helping hands. The way it was designed was really for caregivers um, and, and the volunteers who want to support them but our vision is broader than that. Our vision is is really a belief that 
we can all benefit from the power of our community. And so whatever your community is to you, we want to be there to support it and to help you organize around it so you can you can focus on, on the giving and, and we can just try to make it easier. Well, and Brooks, we're, we're talking so much about, you know, the private communities, which I know was the basis and the focus of where you started, but, um, you, you know, you just kind of went into this area of, um, more of a community kind of site where it may not necessarily be a caregiving situation, but maybe a community has been devastated like with Hurricane Sandy or, you know, some of these other things that can happen. So can you talk a little bit about how Lots of Helping Hands helps with those types of situations? Absolutely. So similar, you know, we, we listen to our members who start emailing us with ideas and telling us, what they're doing, and, and we started uh, working with a number of different groups across the country who were using lots of helping hands to organize help for their local community, and they were helping more than one family in need, oftentimes families that maybe didn't have a big network yet, you know, that family that moves into town, as an example, and the husband had a stroke uh, two weeks after they moved, and young children, and nobody knew anybody, and, and it was really difficult for the family. Well, they were really lucky because there was an open community, well, a community at LATSA, you know, that was operating like an open community, who was supporting multiple families in, in that local town. And so they got wind of of the need, and they went ahead and started helping this family. So about a year ago, we launched a community feature called Open Communities. And these communities are searchable by zip code. You can go to lotsofhelpinghands.com, and under the Looking for a Community tab, you can actually put your zip code in and see if there's a community already that exists in your local town or neighborhood. And if it does, you can request help if you need it, or you can offer to volunteer in that community. And we have thousands of them that have been created a bit organically. Um, we haven't, it hasn't been a big um, area of focus for us in this past year. Um, we, we were kind of watching to see how it would grow naturally um, on its own. And, and we have many communities. One that comes to mind is, is called Heartworks of Rhode Island. And they are a community in Rhode Island that has a mission of doing acts of kindness for their fellow community community members. And so they use lots of helping hands, and they organize help for multiple families, whether it's, you know, bringing a warm meal to a homebound senior to um, helping a family if they're, you know, had a house fire to, you know, helping with homework for, for older kids if, if a young child is sick, all you know, you, you, you name it. They've, they've probably helped with it. And so we're seeing more and more of these open communities become created, and we certainly welcome that and, and look forward to growing that part of our, of our service as well in the, months, in the months ahead. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I wrote an article, um, and, and you touched on it when we were talking earlier, but it was about this nature of volunteering, and, and there's something that happens once you become a caregiver. I think you know, the, the research studies that I've seen show that you do become embedded in these networks of helping others. You, you kind of adopt that attitude. And even after your caregiving journey may be completed, may be over, you, you still feel this need to kind of give back or get engaged. And, and the studies show that caregivers are 50% more likely to volunteer 
to continue helping, whether it's a caregiving community, whether it's uh, volunteering for perhaps, you know, like the Alzheimer's Association for the disease that affected your, your family or your loved one. And I just find that really fascinating because I think the nature of caregiving is, is to give, and that's something that doesn't necessarily stop when your your personal caregiving journey is over. Have you seen that in your communities? Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I remember when you did that great article and, and had that data. And I think it's, you know, fascinating to us. So we've seen it with our data. We know almost 30% of, of our community members have participated in more than one community. We don't know all the reasons why, but we know that they've participated in multiple communities. But we also have a story project, which I haven't really talked about yet, um, and, and a story project as well as a campaign that we um, have, have run where we invite people to share their story about how LATSA has helped them or, or what they did in their LATSA community. But most, and so we get a lot of that anecdotal. But most recently, we also um, launched a Promise campaign. And this was the idea around the... Um, the need for us to all recognize caregivers, you know, whether it's ourselves, whether it's the person sitting next to you, um, you know, going into work. And so we said, you know, rather than we want, yes, we want to celebrate them and, and yes, we want to support them and, and give them an education and resources, but we also want to help them. And so we actually had a call to, you know, across the country to say we, we'd like everyone to make a promise to help a caregiver one time in 2013. And through that experience, Sherry, we actually heard again and again from members saying, I cared for my mom, and now I want to bring a meal to my neighbor who's caring for her spouse. And on and on and on. So we, we, I can't give you specific data the way you found that research, but I can tell you anecdotally through the heartwarming testimonials that we receive and the hundreds and hundreds of promises that have been made, oftentimes it's caregivers themselves who have been helped and have felt that warm embrace who in turn then want and to you know pay it forward and help someone else. It, it gives them that connection. I think it also allows you to share your own story and so there's healing that comes from that when you're able to help someone else who might have been you know going through something that you know you can relate to it, it there's some healing that comes from that as well and and we see our community members going through that for sure and, and Lori, you, i know you and i have talked about this but don't you personally also see this a lot in the dementia communities there's almost like a mentorship among caregivers who have been on the journey of caring for someone with with Alzheimer's or dementia, and then you learn of somebody new who's just diagnosed, there's almost like a special kinship where you really want to help that person and, you know, um, give them the information that you know. I I totally agree with that. There really is. Um, people want to make some sense out of this disease and figure if they can help the next guy um, so be it. You know, they they just want to make the journey easier. So yeah, it's very very common for people wanting to to assist others. Well, well, and it's interesting because as we're talking here and learning so much about LATSA and how it can help, you know, it, it reminds me again and again that um, so often when I talk to caregivers across the country, the one I hear a lot is, "I feel all alone," and I think that's a very common response when you get into caregiving, you feel isolated, you're fearful, 
you might even be angry, you might be in denial, and and that I, that does kind of keep you from your social networks and keeps you from your happiness factor. And and so I so encourage caregivers, whether you really live a very private life or you're more social, but reach out to support groups, reach out and think about things like lots of helping hands because you learn so much. You know, if you keep yourself isolated, you may not hear about this great service or this tip or get the help you need. And, you know, I wondered if, if you know, Brooks, I, I don't know if, if that's something that you really um, encourage your members to kind of spread the word of how helpful reaching out can be. Absolutely. We we do a lot. We have a very active Facebook um, audience, so I welcome any of you to, if you haven't already, to like us on Facebook. Just, um, you know, we're just at forward slash left helping hands. Um, pretty easy to find on Facebook, and we, we post a lot of share stories and invite people to provide their testimonials to us. And we do really try to educate not only the caregiver, but also, the, as I said before, you know, the people around the caregiver to say, you know, if you're offering to help somebody, offer to create a community for them. Uh, you know, I actually had a per, have a personal story myself um, with a, a friend who was caring for um, her mom with dementia and for a long time, and we all saw her struggle, and um, she was very, very um, quiet about it, but we all saw her struggle. And finally, I just said to her, I'm going to create a community for you, and we're going to bring meals on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we're going to do playdates for your kids on Tuesday. How does that sound? She said, I, I don't know if I can log in. I, don't. I said, oh, guess you don't even need to join the community. <laughs> you don't even need to be in it. And so two days later, there were 20 of us, very private, and we were in a community supporting our friend who was losing her mom, and she had meals and playdates. I, I think eventually she logged in uh, to that community, and she knows I'm, I'm sharing her story. I, I, you know, I do sometimes, and, and it's okay with her, I should say. But it's a great example of, you know, I, I needed to, to push her lovingly and say, you know, I, I'm not even going to ask about the meal. I'm just going to create the community. And so we would encourage people, you know, if, you're, if you see a caregiver, especially in the month of November, you know, we're, only, we're all not even halfway through it, you know, bring it up during um, Thanksgiving holidays. You know, this is a great way to talk about, um, you know, being thankful and, and giving back and supporting people, you know, it's, it's, it's a really important thing to do. And I bet if everyone took a moment and thought about the people in their life, you know, you probably do know a caregiver. You probably know somebody who's uh, caring for a loved one and coping, and maybe they're doing it really quietly. But chances are if they're doing it, they're feeling alone and they're feeling overwhelmed. And so it's a great thing to offer you know, let me create a community of support for you. We can use it as much or as little as you like, uh, but it'll just take off, you know, the load a little bit. So we really focus on that that other audience too, Sherry, you know, the, those people that we know need to encourage the caregivers because it's really hard when you're, when you're isolated. A lot of times people just go inward and they put their heads down and they just get what they need to get done done. And they, um, you know, come up for air and it's years later and they're exhausted and, and, and certainly 
um, their health is compromised. So we need to help them. We need to make a promise to them, and we need to support them in every way we can. Right. Definitely. Well, this has just been really fascinating, and I and I hope that our listeners really tap into um, all the resources that you have um, because it is incredible. And like you said, everybody knows a caregiver. If they call themselves that or not, a lot of people fight that term. Um, right. But if it's a if it's a single mom, if it's a daughter or son dealing with uh, their parents or parents taking after grandkids, it doesn't make any difference who it is. Um, we're all caring for somebody and we shouldn't be embarrassed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the more we can tell stories, and, and I encourage your listeners to, to take a look at our website and you know read the stories that are there in the story project or read the things um, on our social media pages you know, take a look at some webinars, and chances are you'll start. You might see yourself or someone that you know, and 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 realize that you're not alone, and that um, it's okay to it's okay to ask for help and and to you know offer it and and to receive it. And I hope I hope your listeners do. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that this will be great, great information for for them all to have. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us at all, Brooks, or? I think just a reminder that um, the, it's really important to us that everyone remember that the the communities are private. You know, even the open communities, you have to you have to still be approved to join. You can't just you know see everything going on. So, you know, where there's a lot of social networking sites and and things out there that um, where privacy is not um, necessarily incorporated as much or there are different settings they these these communities are absolutely private so people can feel safe and secure using them and and incorporating as much information as they want um you know i would also just remind everyone that the service is free um and it's not the type of thing where it's free for a while and then we email you and say if you want this it's going to cost you or um now we're charging um the service is free that's our philosophy and we're sticking to it. And then third, that I would just put out there to anyone who is caring for a loved one just to remind them that they are not alone and that while they may feel overwhelmed by all the different resources, you know, to to perhaps take a look at some of the ones that we've talked about today and as well as the ones I know you all are featuring throughout the month of November and to reach out to us if we can help. Um, we do have a dedicated member support staff um, that you're welcome to uh, send an email, support at lotsahelpinghands.com, and, you know, we can help get you started. And then to those who are listening who are not in a caregiving role today but know someone who is, just to remember that, um, you know, your your friend or coworker or neighbor may need to lean on you. And um, I hope some of the ideas that I've shared today um offer some insight into the best way, you know, to, to offer that help. And I wish everybody a, a happy National Family Caregivers Month. I love the month of November when we can all um, really pool our resources and, and support. I heard you in one of your previous talks, Lori, when you your focus on going from crisis to comfort. And I hope that the idea of Lots of Helping Hands brings comfort to, to those who are listening uh, today and and hopefully we can be a resource for you in the future. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely will be because I think this can bring a lot, a lot of comfort to people when they feel spinning and out of control and to be able to, you know, see the organization and to have people help you organize um, when you're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, there's just nothing nothing greater. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's so, you know, again, Brooks, it's great to have you as a guest, and I've been a, a longtime fan of you guys, and I think, you know, again, Lori and I have talked about this a lot. Her show does so much, and we're all doing so much, because we learn the most, I think, from other caregivers and from other people who are involved in this. And so if we can spread the word and share the information, that's what we're all here to do. So thank you for, you know, letting us learn a little bit more about LASA today. Oh, thank you, and I'm I'm certainly going to be sharing um, and have shared the the wonderful um, Alzheimer Speaks Radio um, details with with our members as as well as the great resources from your partners. Um, so we'll keep we'll keep doing that as well on our side, and, and appreciate it. Well, great. What's the best way for people to get a hold of uh, you and your company, Brooks? Well, if they go to lotsofhelpinghands.com, there's a contact page with a bunch of different, um, you know, emails for support or general information. Um, you can also email me at brooks at lotsofhelpinghands.com, um, and that's B-R-O-O-K-S at lotsofhelpinghands.com. If you're interested in getting started with a community for yourself or your loved one and you have questions, um, the best email is the support one, which is support at lotsofhelpinghands.com. Wonderful. Um, anything else you want to add, Sherry? No, I just, I, I think, you know, again, I'm I'm a big fan of LATSA because I think it really solves one of the dilemmas that caregivers face, and that is getting the help and support that they need, even if it's just the well wishes that Brooks was talking about, but, you know, getting the break because, again, we know that caregivers need to take better care of themselves, and it's tough. It's a huge challenge to find the time, even if it's just a few minutes during the week. And I think LATSA is one of those resources that you can use to, to do that. So, Exactly. Well, thank you, Brooke, so much for, for taking the time that you have to spend with us and to educate educate myself and our audience. I know Sherry has uh, much more knowledge on your organization than I do, but I, I found it extremely helpful, and I, I really think that our audience is going to appreciate uh, the information that you shared today, and hopefully they will put it to use as well, if not for themselves. Um, know that it's there for someone else who might be in need. And, again, you know, it's all about sharing the knowledge. And, um, you know, we have to we have to let others know what we know because somebody else out there needs the information that we hold so tight. And I know that most people don't do that intentionally, but I just think that we have to be more free-coming um, with our information because it's amazing how those dots are connected um, Absolutely. Just a conversation. So, Absolutely. well, thank you again for your time, Brooks. Really, oh, really you. appreciate you having us with with us today, and I, I look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future. It's uh, it's a great, great company that you have and a wonderful resource. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for all that you do. Take care. Yep. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Well, our second guest that we were supposed to have with us today was, was Eric Hall, 
who is with the um, Alzheimer's uh, Global Initiative, and he was not able to make it today. So we will be scheduling Eric with us in the future again. Uh, This is a a new uh, global association, and their mission is to... um, basically transition Alzheimer's disease and related illnesses from simple advocacy um, into momentous activism. And he is uh, extremely passionate about making a difference in this field. So I look forward to having Eric with us in the in the future again. Um, in the meantime, you can always go to their website, which is ALZ global that's g l o b a l initiative dot org alls global initiative dot org to find out more information and again we'll be rescheduling Eric with us here shortly. Um, I do want to just highlight, you know, our last show was on the fifth and that was about the realities of Alzheimer's and dementia. We had author Kathy Borey with us who is in the process of um putting her uh, book in script form so it can be performed. Daniel and Ellen Potts um, with their new initiative, uh, working with a middle school. And Al with uh, the Voice Library, who's also working with them. So it's quite a quite an interesting show that we had last time. And then uh, Sherry spent some time uh, telling us a little bit more about her caregiving club as well. Our next show will be on the 19th. Oops, no. Yeah, our next show will be on the 19th, and that will be about building alliances for person-centered care. And we're going to have Karen Love with us um, talking about a wonderful initiative, um, and I won't let the cat out of the bag on that one, uh, that they're moving forward with. And then we're also going to be talking um, in detail about memory cafes, and we're going to have some members of the memory cafes uh, with us as well as Carol Larkin, uh, who has been quite the activist and has a couple of different groups. Our last Dementia Chats was uh, back on October 22nd, and that is a really fascinating um, session that I would recommend anybody go watch. It We talk about dementia-friendly and what is it, what isn't it. And our session today I have canceled just, uh, just because I'm ill and I just am not up to doing it. But our... our uh, next Dementia Chats will then be on the 26th, and we'll go ahead and, and get that up and running. A couple of blog posts. Uh, let's see, on the 10th, our intern Michelle wrote one called No Regrets uh, Nursing Home Care. And on the 8th, there was one called a Fallen, Ro- uh, a Fallen Rose Petal, which was a poem written by Heather Buck- Buckbeat. Um, which is just a beautiful, beautiful piece. Again, I want to just give a shout-out to Alzheimer's Disease International, Music First with Coral Health, the Lewy Body Dementia Association, the Alzheimer's Studies Group, Puzzles with Me, the Alzheimer's Frontal Temporal Degeneration Organization, and the National Aphasia Association, along with Jiminy Wicket, uh, custom A Design, who is who does uh, my website, and of course the Purple Angel Project with Norms McNamara. Um, Sherry, can you let everybody know how they can get a hold of of you at the and and some of the resources that you have uh, that they can find at the Caregiving Club? 
Sure. Um, so, you know, I know we've talked about what I do in the past. I am a consultant to a variety of different companies, but, you know, more importantly for your listeners, Lori, I write a lot about caregiving and particularly, you know, caregiving of those with dementia and Alzheimer's. And so you can find uh, links to all of my articles, whether it's articles with Huffington Post or Forbes or PBS Next Avenue, the examiner, on my website, which is caregivingclub.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so you can go like us on Facebook and get all the updates of different activities and resources and links, and we post a lot of partner information, um, such as what's happening on Alzheimer's Speak. And so those are the best ways, I think, to, to reach me. If you need to reach me um, directly, you can reach me at Sherry, which is S-H-E-R-R-I, at caregivingclub.com. And, you know, I'm posting a lot of articles. Obviously, November is a big month for me because of National Caregiver Month and National Alzheimer's Month as well. So you're going to see a, a flurry of different topics and articles, and I'm writing a lot about what we're we're talking to our guests about um, this month, Lori, with the radio um, guests. And I also am updating my reading list. I do an update twice a year, once on Read Across America Day in March, and uh, once in November, and you can click on our Caregiving Club reading list for a lot of different great books um, that are out there on a variety of different topics that, you know, help you see, again, as a caregiver, there are 65 million Americans who are caring for loved ones, and you are not alone. And these books are really wonderful. I've read them all, love them all, and I'm, um, I'm providing them to you. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Wonderful. Well, that's great because people are always looking for information uh, that will that will help them. So, again, uh, don't forget to go to Sherry's uh, website. Do you want to give that the URL for that again, Sherry? Sure. It's caregivingclub.com. So, C A R E G I V I N G club.com. Wonderful. And don't forget to check out our website as well, alzheimerspeaks.com. Again, Dementia Chats, uh, it has been canceled for today, but we will, uh, we've got lots of other episodes that you can watch in the meantime. And um, our next session for that webinar will be on the 26th then, right before the holidays. And again, our next show will be on the 19th. So, I appreciate everybody uh, with us, and if you haven't liked us or tweeted us, I would uh, love for you to do that before before the session ends here. Uh, again, I think lots of lots of helping hands is just a wonderful, wonderful resource, and I hope you'll all help spread the word because so many people can use this this extra support. Anything else you'd like to say, Sherry? Otherwise, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. No, I think, you know, again, just thanks to all of your listeners and thanks to you, Lori, for having me guest host this month. It's it's just a delight, and I'm really enjoying being able to talk to a lot of these wonderful guests that we have. Well, great. Well, we'll talk to you next week then. Um, I hope everybody has a safe week, and until then, just enjoy yourself. Talk soon. Bye now. Great.
Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.